everybody. Thanks for tuning in to the Centerpoint Podcast. My name is Billy. And I'm Lowell. And you hear that strange sound in the background? That is the sound of a saw being taken through wood because we're actually recording at our church building under construction. Lots so. of things going on around here. Walls being built and tore down and flooring being put in. It's kind of a neat thing to watch. It is indeed. You know, there's a lot of jobs that are happening around here. There sure are a lot of jobs that are happening. So Lowell, tell us uh, tell us some interesting jobs you've had in your life. I know you've had the most... Uh, the most curious background in jobs. <laughs> Maybe not the you... most, but it is rather <laughs> curious, yes. You were a corn picker. That I one... picked corn for a living. Yes. I, I still want to visualize, like, you just carried, like, a big sack, <laughs> a big, like, burlap sack or something. I you worked on oop. Kelly's Island, and it was a giant island in the, in the middle of Potomac River that the river split around this section in Kaiser. Okay. And on, in the, the acreage... In the middle, there was a farmer who had a corn farm, and he didn't pay for equipment to pick his corn. He paid for teenage boys like oh, me okay. I to gotcha. come there, I gotcha. and we would pick. I mean, it was, you know, I mean, hundreds, hundreds of, of yards, miles, hundreds of yards, miles that you'd oh, walk yards. through these corn rows picking the picking the corn. Yeah, corn picker, hay baler. <laughs> But the corn picker, I know we're going to go beyond that, but I think <laughs> I think go, of Napoleon Dynamite when he was the egg getter. It was that is very <laughs> then, much like my and life. Then at yes. lunch, at lunch, he they gave him raw eggs. At lunch, did you get like you uh, eat corn? Yeah, forgot my checkbook. Had to pay you in change. <laughs> That's exact. That is very similar to what I'm talking about. Yes, it is exactly that. You go hay home bale. with the corn cob sticking out. Okay, hay baler. Oh yeah, baling hay. Yeah, alfalfa. You know, I, did, I didn't just help a friend. And like I did that every day for the summer. We would just oh, different. Man. I mean, you know, in hay baling season, you yeah. know. Um, so that was tough work. Um, I see, didn't I, get. I got paid to do that, but I didn't do it as in like every day of the summer. Yeah. I did it like maybe two or three days here, and then whenever they needed it. They right, would. right. I, I did that. The the corn picking and the hay baling was in the same summer because it would kind of the seasons would sort of oh, match okay, up. Oh, okay, I gotcha. Well. Actually, mm-hmm. I did it a couple summers. Of course, McDonald's. Oh, the, the Olympian fry? Yes. Or, excuse me, yes. burger flipper. Weighted tables, short order cook. Yeah, I did. Pizza oh. maker, dishwasher, um, track gang. On a railroad, I laid track one summer. You laid track on a <laughs> railroad? <laughs> what kind of a job? <laughs> Were you the one holding the little, holding the, the pin that goes in? Holding, and then the guy hit it with his big hammer? Yes. That's exactly what we did. Did yes. you hold it with your hand? Uh, um, you would start it it's with like the Little hand. House in the Prairie. Remember when? Yes, they, that's exactly you know? what it was. We carry in cross ties and put them in, and you drive the nails with a giant hammer. <laughs> <laughs> so funny, you hear me say this. <laughs> and then I was a uh, a janitor at a at a at the Luke Paper Plant for a summer, which was interesting. Um, uh, all those kinds of things, man. It's just you know that, that actually is a is a significant difference between the track gang and the janitor. So the janitor, what happened was I worked with the other janitor that was that was there. Okay, I worked with him. What was one his name? Week. I don't even know. I don't know. Make a name up. Uh, 
Bud. In um, oh, Bud. Okay. okay. I worked this with is Bud for a week. Okay, and followed him around and did everything that he did for the week. And then what I did was I fil- they had several janitors that would work in different areas of the plant, and then I would just rotate to different sections for covering somebody that was on vacation. Okay. So, but was on the track gang. I was never given that kind of authority. What I mean is I was always a helper. I was never the guy that was in charge or, you know, I wasn't given full authority to have the task. Mm. But as a janitor, that that my week, I was all on my own. I just had to do what I saw. And the track gang, do. you were a nail holder. Yes, and a cross-tie carrier cross-tie and a rail carrier. carrier. Man, those rails are heavy. Then you were like dwaddling. Yeah, you yeah, yeah just a little, little thing, you, like these pinchers that you carry yeah. it by. Yeah. So, but, but, it's a, but yeah, but you were saying the difference is as a janitor. Yeah. You basically, they, I guess they trained you. They trained me and, and released said, me. Go, do it. Okay. Track gang, I was never released. I was always a helper. Hmm. And that kind of leads into Thursday of Jesus' final week of his earthly ministry. Right. I think the last time I called it Passover week, but it's Passion yeah. week. It yeah. was the Passover That'll happened work. there. That'll but, work. You know, uh-huh. right. Passion week, we right. call it. Right. So, yeah. Thursday. So, Wednesday, if you recall, if you listened to his last week or last time, on Wednesday, we saw that Jesus was telling his disciples that he is going to go but come back mm-hmm. victorious. Mm-hmm. And they were all like, win, 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 win. And Jesus was like, no, it's not about win. It's about the fact that I'm going to come back. And you are to live out my call until then, right. right? So theoretically, like Wednesday is, the point is, I am the victor. I will be victorious. You trust in that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Now, Thursday, what happens in, in Thursday is probably my favorite day. I love this section of Scripture. Thursday, Jesus pulls away with the 12 at the start, mm-hmm. okay? And one of them's going to leave. Remember that? Yeah, yeah. Judas Iscariot. Yeah. I think that might have been like Tuesday evening, Wednesday-ish. Wednesday, he agreed to to betray Jesus. Mm -hmm. Now, Thursday, they all pull aside. Man, I would love to be there. I would love... I, I don't know that I could... I would certainly not be up for what they're going to experience over the next three days. Hmm. But to be a fly on the wall and to just hear what Jesus said and how he said it and, you know, how he was acting, his, his, his mannerisms, mm-hmm. his nonverbal, mm-hmm. you know, language, mm-hmm. just all that. What it, it's just, it's the favorite, it's my favorite section of Scripture. Mm-hmm. We're talking about John 13 through 17. Yeah, I wonder if later on in life those guys sit and think about all the nuances, mm. but just the walking, the sitting, the eating, the the things that are not recorded in Scripture, if, yeah. they, if just all these things flood back in their mind. And I think of that kind of thing, because I like watching people. Right. And well, I and mean, think about this. You know, Jesus knows he's getting ready to leave. And so he pulls, uh, pulls back his 12, and he kind of says, like, the last things he wants to say mm-hmm. to them. I mean, imagine... You know, last time we were together, we, we talked about how we don't know the future, and we don't know when Jesus is coming back. I mean, what if you knew right now, what if God told you or a doctor told you, you've got 24 hours to live, okay? You're going to die this time tomorrow. Mm-hmm. And imagine you, you pull your three daughters there next to you, 
and the things that you would say to them. You know, you tell them you love them. You're proud of them. They, they're, they're precious in your mind. Honestly, you know what I, when you said that, I immediately thought something that really that my parents are kind of starting to do because they're up in years is they'll bring us over and they'll give us something that is precious to them. Mm-hmm. And they, it's like a family heirloom. It, yeah. It, it's something that if it would not sell on eBay for much money. Right. But it's but precious to, to but them. But it's precious to them. And they would, they, you know, every once in a while, they'll give me this one little thing and say, yeah. you know what? I want you to have this. It's not just precious, it's priceless. Yeah. And, it's, and I have things at my, in my house that to the average person would seem like it's nothing. But to me, it has great significance. Well, and another, you know, and really what, what else we need to include here is not only is he expressing his love for them, which is what you're kind of alluding mm-hmm. to, but also he's going to tell them kind of his counsel for the remainder of their life. Mm-hmm. You not only pull your daughters or me, my sons and daughters, you know, to our, too close to us, we tell them now, Okay, this is how you should live for your life. You know, mm-hmm. you I'm gonna go away. I'm gonna I'm gonna die in twenty four hours now. You know, keep God at the center of your life. And you know, love the love your mom or whatever it is. You know, you would say these things to them, this mm-hmm. like last counsel. And that's what this is. Jesus pulls his disciples to himself up in the upper room, and he is now gonna tell them how precious they are to him but also kind of give them this, this sort of directive for, in the meantime, till I come back, mm-hmm. let this be who you are. Right. So what we want to do in the next few minutes is we want to take really just each passage in John. We're going to jump into John 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, and it might seem like it's a lot, but we're just going to give a... a, a what would you? How would you describe it, Lowell? A direct, not a directive, but just a, maybe like a, a quality that you that Jesus is trying to leave with the disciples, and how they can take that and move forward in their life. And I don't well, want to. I don't yeah, want to steal we, my own thunder here, or steal your right. thunder. No, with no, describing we, it. But we struggled just how to even express this. Billy and I did. You know, we said, well, it's not. It's not like he's giving them a task. He's not telling them this right. is what you are. You know, go do these things. You know, here's, a, here's 10 things I want you to knock out. Janitor, going back to the janitor illustration. Yeah. You know, this is, you do these things and then you're done. Yeah, it's, it wasn't that. It's more like he's trying to tell them, like, this is, this is what should be your characteristic now. This, mm-hmm. is, this is your temperament. This, is, this should be your, the, what's your, you know, your attributes. Yeah. Your, how, what's you, your, how you should be known, your your. Your qualities, your traits, the, your how attributes. See you. your, yeah, yeah. And where where we landed out a word for this is Jesus is telling them now. This is what your new nature will be. This is what your nature as his disciples mm-hmm. will be until he comes and then beyond. This doesn't end mm-hmm. because one of the things that we need to, that we want everyone to see is Jesus isn't telling them to their nature, isn't describing their nature in, in any way that he's not already living. Mm-hmm. He's already right, going to right, be, he's right. already living mm-hmm. what he's going to tell them that they are to now live. He's going to, he's going to describe their new nature and 
the new nature that they are to have, he has. So what he describes for them and how they are to live in light of the fact that he's coming again, he's been living this in front of them for three years on this earth for, what, 33 years, whatever it is, you know? Well, beyond that, this is his nature, not just while he was a human. This is the nature of Jesus Christ, of God. So as we look at the, as we look at the passage, at the passages, let's go ahead and jump into John 13, and then we'll, we'll address John 13. We'll take a little break, and then we'll, uh, we'll try to hit the other passages if we have time okay. and try to bring it all together. Yeah, so. so John 13 is pretty famous as the passage where Jesus washes the disciples' feet. Right. Somebody should have stepped forward and done it. Mm-hmm. It was the practice of that day. There should have been a servant—well, they're in the upper room by themselves, so there is no servant. But, but if normally a, the lowest of the low of the servants yes. will come in, wash someone's feet— and, you know, their, their feet when they get came dirty. in, their feet would be washed. Right. Right. Especially and, at a meal. Yeah, they're, they're laying, a meal. They're laying down. It's not the standing up. They're laying down beside each other and stuff. And you laying don't want in. the people's dirty, nasty feet next to you. Yeah. So it's and it's a it's a sign of honor. It's a sign of cleanliness. It yeah. was, but it was it's also just a sign of politeness. Honestly, yeah. but it was it's also like, the lows, the lowlies, the lowly yeah. of lows did that job. To not do this and be the host would be impolite. It would be inhospitable to right. not do this. Well, the, to not have a servant do that for right. Them. So mm-hmm. they all get there, and nobody steps forward to wash the feet mm-hmm. of the whole crew, and so that Jesus does it. He gets up and he go, he gets a basin. He gets some water. Gets a towel and goes around and washes everyone's feet. And we need to come to grips with what that would be. To have Jesus crawling around on the ground in, their, in the dirt on the floor, cleaning their dirty, you know, animal feces-covered feet. And dare I say, I don't believe that they ever saw someone in a high position do this. Probably not, yeah. You know, this, was not, this was not the, the person that's leading the meal, heading the meal. They didn't do this. Yeah. This was a bottom-of-the-barrel uh, activity that someone would engage in. And their reaction demonstrates how shocking this is, mm-hmm. because Peter, being the, the most outspoken you know, member of the team, he says, you're not going to wash my feet. You're not going to do that. And Jesus says, you don't understand what's going on here. I have to. Mm-hmm. And Jesus said, well, if you're going to wash my feet, wash my whole body. You know, mm-hmm. just, just, let's just, if this is what we're right. going to do, then do the whole thing. Right. And, and Jesus is clear and he says, you know, <laughs> if it's, you don't need to be bathed, but your feet need to be washed. Right. He gives something, he gives a physical example of something, but he's demonstrating something so much yeah. deeper. And so, what is that deep? What is that right? Deep, so what, what is, is that, that nature element? That what what we're right. dra- what we're calling this is your new nature now as as followers of Jesus, waiting for Him to come. Our new nature, and the new nature is found in verse number thirteen, and that's where Jesus says this. And I'll just read it for you. Mm-hmm. He says, "You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and your teacher, have washed your feet, you ought also." to wash one another's feet. For I've given you example that you also 
So do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is no greater than his master. So the first element of our nature that Jesus is describing is that of a servant. Mm -hmm. As we wait for Jesus to return, what Jesus is telling his disciples and really telling us is that we are to be servants. To serve one another. To get down on your hands and knees, if you would, and serve. Mm -hmm. And do the things that nobody else Mm -hmm. is doing. That's exactly right. And and crawl around on the floor. And it harkens back it harkens back to what we talked about previously on a Wednesday is that the the disciples didn't quite understand this and Jesus had to try to teach them in a different passage, Matthew twenty, because they wanted to be set in a high place, and Jesus said that the Son of Man did not come to to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So it brings back to Jesus was living this servant's mentality his whole entire life, and they saw it, even though they, it might not have registered, but it will soon enough. Well, and I know we, we're going to wrap up here in the, fr- the front end, but I want to just mention this before we do. So in the same passage in 13, Jesus says this, A new commandment I give to you, this is verse number 34, that you love one another. He calls that a new commandment. In the, in the light of this yeah. serving, he mm-hmm. says, love one another. It's not a new commandment. It's in Leviticus 19 mm-hmm. that, we, that the followers of Yahweh are to love one another. So Jesus says, a new commandment that I give you, that you love one another. But see, it doesn't stop there. The mm-hmm. sentence doesn't stop there. That you love one another just as I have loved you you also are to love one another. What's new about it is not the love. What's new about it is the example. Mm. The Mm -hmm. example. Jesus showed them what it looks like to love, and what it looks like is serving. It's the new nature, the new nature. Well, that's, that's kind of where we landed for John 13, and when we come back in a moment, we'll discuss John 14, 15, 16, and 17, and some we're going to call the nature of what he is calling the disciples to and what he's calling us to as we live where we are right now. So we'll be right back and we'll talk more about John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Okay, well, thanks for sticking with us. We're back and we're still continuing to talk about Jesus and how he's sharing his heart really in his life with his disciples. And he's explaining to them characters, uh, characteristics, attributes, attitudes. We're going to call it nature. Their nature. Of how, of how they are to be as they serve him on this earth. Okay, so I want everybody to do this, Where if you're, unless you're driving. You cannot do this next thing <laughs> okay. if you're driving. I'd like you to fold your arms right now, just across Cross your, your arms. Yeah, okay. fold your arms. Okay, look down at them, okay? Probably you have a set of fingers that are pointed up, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My, For you, Pastor Billy, which, which side my is... Right, my right hand, my right fingers are pointing up on my left bicep. Okay, all right. So now what I'd like you to do is to switch it. Okay. Fold your so hands in such a way that it's the op... Yeah. The op- it feels weird. <laughs> I'm having a hard time even doing it. It feels weird to take a a second to do that. 
it just I don't it just doesn't feel comfortable. It doesn't feel it doesn't feel right. It feels like uh, my arms are gonna flop flop off, you know, <laughs> flop down, you know. That, is, see what that's driven by is whether you're right handed or left handed. Yeah. Our nature is to either be left-handed or right. Now, there's a few people out there who are ambidextrous. Ambidextrous. I'm not sure if they really totally exist. To be mm-hmm. completely equal in both left and right. I don't know. That's a tough one. I don't know. My dad tells me that he, when he was in early elementary school, he's left-handed, that they would tie his left hand to the, the desk because he wanted to write with his left hand. Oh, my goodness. And he's an artist. You should see the things he can paint and so forth, but he does it all with his left hand. But when he was just early childhood, yeah. they, they, wanted to, they wanted to break that. How would that go over now? Oh, yeah, <laughs> that would <right>. be crazy. <laughs> crazy. Well, strap your kid down today for school. <laughs> Everything's fine. <laughs> so we're, we're bringing that up because we're, we're talking about the nature that Jesus is describing is to be true mm-hmm. of his followers and so what we're going to see is that, that the real power to this nature is the changing element or agent that the Spirit of God is in our lives. Mm-hmm. He makes us a brand new creature with a new nature. And so here we are on Thursday of the, the final week of Jesus' earthly ministry. He's got his disciples pulled, pulled aside now. The 12 are in the upper room, and Jesus is describing to them how they're going to function until he comes again, mm-hmm. what their new nature will be. And it's 13, 14, 15, 16, 17. That's a lot of scripture for us today. It is, but I think we can handle it. In John 13, he, the, the nature that he was trying to describe was being servants. I watched the disciples' feet and how he said, this is the attitude, the, the, the nature that I want you to have, not just physically washing someone's feet, but to be a servant, to be a servant. So where are we at okay, so with John 14? Okay, so now we come 14? to 14. We come to four, and 14 is, is tremendous. In 14, 18, he says, I will not leave you as orphans. Do you, I mean, do you hear the care in mm-hmm. what Jesus says? They, he's telling them, I'm leaving you. And he's saying, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I mean, the world has always seen the struggle of orphans and been heartbroken for those that lose their parents that are meant to be their caregivers, and now they're gone, and these children are alone. And that's, that's the picture he's bringing. I'm not going to leave you in that way. And what he says in verse number 26 is he says, no, not an orphan. Instead, what's he, what's he referred to there in 26? You got it for us? In verse 26? Yeah. I was actually reading 18. But in verse 26 says, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. What a comfort that had to have been for them. Mm-hmm. That, and in this passage, it's called the helper, mm-hmm. but in other passages, it's called the comforter. Yeah, right, you know? right. So that's, that's very fitting. And, and this helper, Jesus is describing this, this new way that, that followers are now going to have that, that I don't believe they had before this mm-hmm. moment. Mm-hmm. In a moment, Jesus is going to breathe on them, okay? Mm-hmm. And I think what he's... And they receive the Spirit, and that's really a kind of a foretaste of what's going to happen in Acts chapter 2 when believers re, are baptized in the Holy Spirit. And all that means is, I mean, it's a lot, but what it means is 
that the Spirit of God comes and lives inside of individual believers in a, in a close, intimate way. Mm-hmm. And this is now the new nature of followers. Mm-hmm. This is their new temperament now. Just as Jesus was with them physically, and they were being led by Jesus, this Holy Spirit will come and it says, teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit will be leading them in their nature. And remember what this word holy means. It means unique, mm-hmm. different. Mm-hmm. This is not, we all, every man, woman, child, saved or unsaved, has a spirit. Mm-hmm. We have a soul, a spirit. But this is a unique spirit, the spirit of God, distinct from all others. He's going to come omnipresent, indwelling every single believer. And this now changes our relationship with God. He's with us. He's creating a new heart, a new spirit in us. Now, this won't be completed in a, in a full sense until we are with Jesus mm-hmm. physically, to be absent from the bodies of present with the Lord. But right now, we have the Spirit of God with us. So that would be what I see is 14, that, that's pretty significant. And I don't know whether, uh, I don't know when it's been referenced in the, in the previous and the recent past, but for me, I think the challenge is where it says, uh, and they will bring, bring to your remembrance all that I've said to you. Well, we have God's word. We have God's word. That's his, that's his communication to us. If we, if we memorize God's word, for me, I feel as if it gives the Holy Spirit the ability to bring to remembrance all the things that I've read. And that's and certainly true. That's certainly true. And in this passage, I think what Jesus is referring to is, okay, you guys, you're, you're my apostles. I'm bringing the Word of God through you. Mm-hmm. And you might wonder, how in the world did John remember? John wrote this in 90 AD, 60, 50, 60 years after this happened. Mm-hmm. How did he ever remember it? Mm-hmm. How did he remember what Jesus said? That's the Holy how. Spirit. The Holy mm-hmm. Spirit brought it to remembrance. That's exactly right. And Matthew was there, and it brought it to remembrance. Mm-hmm. And Peter was there. He brought it to remembrance, and I believe communicated it to Mark. And so this is, this is how God is going to inspire his word. Mm-hmm. So another, just, just one more. I know we got so much we're trying to say here. <laughs> okay. But, um, you know, when Jesus is describing this Holy Spirit, he says in John 16, verse 7, he said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Hmm. The disciples that doesn't were like, seem, That doesn't no. seem like it would make sense. No. He says, because if I go away, the helper will come to you. Mm-hmm. So that's a big part here of this new nature. We better get going because we're not yeah, going to get through all this. We still got 15, 16, 17. So we're do, going so. with 15. You take 15 here. Well, in verse 15, uh, normally this would be... Uh, uh, a passage where you would think about Jesus being the true vine and his father's the vine dresser and the branches. But what I believe that we should really focus in on as relating to the nature of what he is calling these disciples to be and what they will be is in verse four. And it says, abide in me and I in you as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. So that verse has the word abide in it a number of times. So and what does to, the word abide mean? Well, it, it, I guess it just means at home. 
at home or be at home. How is that? Is that mm-hmm. how you would describe yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, that closeness. That yeah, I, I I think of the word abode. Okay. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, make a home with me. Mm-hmm. And so I think what you know in my mind what what Jesus is driving at here is okay. Your new nature is it's an ongoing every day in every way relationship with God mm. through mm-hmm. Jesus mm-hmm. that that we now can have this kind of an intimate relationship with him. We don't have to go to the temple. We don't have to go to the tabernacle to, to worship God, to bring an offering, to sacrifice. You, know, you don't have to be like the Muslims that travel to Mecca, you know, and, and march around a stone. You know, we don't have to, we mm-hmm. don't have to travel to... So he's with us right. now. We don't have to bring our offerings and drop it at the, at the, at the altar yeah. just to yeah. be able to have that that feeling of togetherness with with the Lord. Right. So that's and fifteen describes that quite a bit. I mean it's it's all through yeah. fifteen what Jesus is saying. That's a key passage. Yeah. That is a key, key passage. And you know, at the end of John fifteen, it also says it references the helper, when the helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth, who precedes the Father, he will bear witness about me. So again, the, you know, the theme of uh, 14, 15, 16, it all has the Holy Spirit gathered oh, yeah. all in and out of it. So it's not as if 14 is only talking Mm-mm. about the Spirit or being Spirit-filled. You know, it, it, it's a progression all the way through. None of this is possible without the Spirit. Right. This is the, one of the things that strikes me about what's happening here. So, so we have the Trinity going on. So we have God the Father who's running all of this, who's sovereignly controlling all of this. We have Jesus who's living it out. And then we have the Spirit of God who from this moment on, it's almost like one of those races, those relay races. You know, it's like the baton is being handed now mm-hmm. to the Spirit. Mm-hmm. And He is going to have this, this dynamic relationship with these followers of Jesus. Mm-hmm. And He says, it's to your advantage that I go away. The, the baton is being handed now to the Spirit. Right. It's to your advantage that I go be with the Father, right hand of the Father, interceding on your behalf so that the Spirit can come and run the race. Because they're all co-equal, but they're different. All three persons, co-equally God, but distinct, unique, necessary, each person of the Godhead. So we get to chapter 16, and I'm going to go all the way to the end here. Hey, I know that you're going to go to verse 33, but why don't you read verse 32 as well? I just think that's an interesting verse. Yeah, 32. Behold, the hour is coming, indeed has come, when you will be scattered, each to his own home, and will leave me alone. Yet I am not alone, for the Father is with me. What? Why? What? What? I just thought that was interesting, just in how we're living right now. The hours coming, deed has come when you will be scattered, each to his own uh, home. Now yeah. I know that's a little bit out of context, as because in this in this passage he's saying you all will abandon. Yeah, me, you're gonna and abandon you will, Jesus, you, you know, right? But you know, the, it, it's interesting that it just say that we're in. A, you know, people will be in their own home scattered, and you may feel as if you're abandoned yeah. if you're at your house, but you're not because of what. Uh, what is coming next right. in the in the in the verse on the Sunday passage. morning? This Sunday for us is Easter Sunday, and and we're gonna and, and my whole theme is that Easter celebration is not canceled; mm-hmm. it's scattered. Mm-hmm. And yeah, that's 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 where we're going on Sunday morning. What that really means? Yeah, and maybe and well, those m- men, women, children, the people that were following Jesus, 
they did do that and they felt scattered and they felt alone. Yeah. But they don't have verse, to feel that way. No, because verse 33, 33 comes in. He says, I have said these things to you that in me you may have peace. Mm-hmm. In the world you have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. And that is a tough, it, it's tough to have that in your nature when you're flooded with worldly issues and no. worldly problems. No. Oh, really? No. Oh, okay. Well, please. It's not, it's not, it's not tough. And it's not? What is it? It's impossible. True. It's impossible. Mm-hmm. We, we cannot live this. And I know I'm, I'm yeah, kind of yeah, being yeah. facetious with you on purpose, but, you know, we, somebody said the Christian life is impossible and the Christian life is simple. Mm-hmm. And that's this peace mm-hmm. that is promised us. It's impossible. We cannot have peace. We're going to have tribulation. This is a promise. In this world, you will have tribulation. Mm-hmm. How's that for a promise from God? Not, you know, not, not too many you know, televangelists and prosperity <laughs> gospels <laughs> mention that verse, you know? <laughs> yeah. Name it and claim it stuff. Yeah. You name it and claim this promise, you know? Yes. But he says, but in me you may have peace. Mm-hmm. It's simple. When we abide in Christ, as you just referenced from John 15, peace is the fruit of that. It's our new nature to have peace in the midst of tribulation. And I know Brock may uh, Brock says sometimes that when you take the opposite it's not always correct, but it says that in me you may have peace. So without being in Christ, you will not have peace. Mm. And we cannot have peace apart from Christ. Mm-hmm. And so when this tribulation comes, if we do not have Christ, We will not have peace. Yeah, when the tribulation comes. That's exactly right. Mm -hmm. Take heart, he says. Jesus has overcome the world. Okay, we better Mm -hmm. wrap up 17. Yeah, and where where are we at in 17? I think a key key truth in 17 is found in verse 17. And it's one of the... I tell you, it's one of the first verses that I ever memorized as a real follower of Jesus. When I was a child, I was forced to memorize a couple verses. Mm -hmm. I didn't even know what they meant. I remember I memorized Psalm 100 and quoted it in my my legalistic denominational church, and I didn't even know what it even meant. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, here it says, sanctify them. This was a verse that I did memorize as, as an early real follower of Jesus. It's sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. This is what Jesus is trying to say. Sanctify. What does that mean? It doesn't mean be good. It doesn't mean be pure. It doesn't mean be spotless. Stop sinning. That's not what it means. It means be set apart, different. Be different. Make them different in the truth, God. And the word of God is that truth. And this is, this is a very personal passage where Jesus is speaking to his Father, and it's like he's pouring out his heart. That's true. That's a good clarification. Chapter 17, thank you for mentioning that. This is a prayer now where Jesus, after instructing his disciples in 13, 14, 15, and 16, he now is no longer speaking to his disciples. He's speaking to his Father. Mm-hmm. That's a and, good. That's a good point. But this is. But you know, but the the verse that you brought up, sanctify them in truth. This is his heart's cry 
of what he wants to see happen in the believers. Make them unique. Make them distinct. Make them different. Make them like you, God. Right. Set them apart. And when we examine Jesus' life, Jesus was set apart. The life that he lived, even people would say, I, we've, I've never heard teaching like this before. The things that he was doing and the people that he was loving and caring for, he was set apart in his time frame where he, when he lived, he was set apart from everyone. And that's what he's calling us to. And notice what he says, though. It's not just be different. It's not just be sanctified. It's not just be distinct, be unique. Not, it's not just be like God. Sanctify them in the truth. Mm-hmm. Your word is truth. So mm-hmm. the means or the method that God uses to do this is his word. That's right. It's the word of God. And so Jesus here is, is now showing his followers and us that the way that this is new nature is going to be, the word is manifest or you know, made clear to be seen in people's lives is through his word. Mm-hmm. And as we, as we wrap this up, there's certain passages, I think of John 20, 21, mm-hmm. I think of John 17, 18, it says, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Yeah. And how he is preparing his followers to live a life after the cross, after himself. And he's given them He's given them gifts, the gift of the of the of the Holy Spirit, and and is in, injecting, ingesting, injecting in them a new nature, a nature that is new, completely different. And what's what's awesome about it is if you just if they get wondering, what's this look like? How does mm-hmm. this look? You know what? What does this? How, you know, practically, how does this look in my life? Right. You got a real. They have a real obvious answer to that question. Jesus. Mm-hmm. That's how it looks. Mm-hmm. It looks like crawling on the floor, washing each other's feet. Mm-hmm. So he, he is. Yeah. He is not only telling them what to do, or how to live. He lived it. Mm-hmm. So, he was like us in every way. Yeah. Yes. But without sin. That's right. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I think of First John, uh, two verse six. I know our friend Dean Plumley loves this verse. Is like if you claim to know, if you claim to be, his followers, you must walk. As he walked. That's a little bit of Billy paraphrase, but if we claim to know him, we must walk as he walked. He's given us a new nature. We know that in Romans 6. He's given us the, the examples that we know in all of Scripture, specifically in the Gospels. And he says, we have the ability to do this only with the Holy Spirit. What's interesting here is now, right at the end of this, Jesus says, okay, guys, let's go. And they leave there. And John 18 says that they crossed the brook Kidron where there was a garden, and the disciples entered it. So shortly after this, there's going to be a whole group of people. They're going to come across the way towards them, Judas out in front, and Jesus will be betrayed and handed over to the Gentiles, just as he's been telling them what's going to happen. But that's getting into the next day. Right. So when we come back, we'll hit the next day. We'll hit that Friday. And so much happened on that Friday, and we'll hit it next time uh, on our next podcast. But for the mean, in the meanwhile, 
you try to understand how God wants you to be and the new nature that God has given you to be able to serve, love, and point people to Jesus Christ and His Word. Don't, don't forget, we're nothing fancy here at Centerpoint Bible Church, but we strive to be real, just like Jesus is. 